And it's a very good evening this Monday evening. Thank you for joining us. I'm Wayne Turner taking you through till quarter to seven. The program is Talk at Six with Wayne. And it's a regular Monday evening chat show. The way the format works is that we have guest experts every Monday evening, uh, starting off with our educational slot. Second is our financial. Third is a community slot, which we're having this evening. And I'll introduce my guest in a moment. And the fourth Monday is our medical slot. So thank you for joining us on this uh Small journey. We've always got some interesting, informational, and enlightening you as much as we can. Right, without further ado, I'm going to go to our guests this evening. I have two guests in studio. Um, one, you're going to recognize his voice, and that's Andre Bluchnot. He used to be with us here at CCFM a couple of years back. And then Andre's pastor, and that's Big D. Uh, <laughs> Dylan Hello, Jones. My name is Dylan Jones. Yeah, I'm the pastor of Joshua Generation Church in Musenberg. Yeah, well, uh, Andre, now I'm Andre, affectionately called Big D by Andre exclusively. <laughs> Anyone else calls me Big D? Well, what happened Andre. was that in church on Sunday night, Andre was sharing his testimony, which yeah. is why we've got him in studio. Yeah, and he referred to Dylan as Big D. Now everyone's calling him that. So yeah, you, you've right. opened a can of worms. It. You have to deal. You have to deal with that. All I want to say is it's my can. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a very warm welcome. We're so Thank glad you. to have you on air with us, Andre, with your Thanks, journey man. and your testimony. Mm. And then, of course, with uh, Dylan. Dylan's also going to chip in. Uh, he knows some of the story as well. So I thought, let, let me get a sidekick in so we can mm-hmm. handle this properly. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, Andre's worked, walked quite an intred, incredible health journey. And uh, he actually shouldn't be here with us. We were joking before and saying dead man walking. But he was in severe heart failure and God has just done something. He's not totally healed, but he's living each day uh, as it comes. But uh, his testimony had been quite in, incredible. So we thought, bring him in studio and chat about that. Just give us a bit of your background. I mean, uh, not everyone knows who you are, although you were involved in CCFM and, and how you got to this point. Uh, firstly, let me just say really thanks for having me on your show, Wayne. I feel like I'm with two esteemed colleagues, two esteemed friends. I feel like I want to take a selfie, you know. So uh, you're such good guys. And I, well, you're videoing it, so that's I as good love, as a selfie. I just love your heart, you know. So leave me and to do my thing. <laughs> 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 oh, just a quick thing on my past really is that, um, I mean, I, I grew up with a dad who was a gangster. And uh, I never understood why there were so many people in the house hmm. until I was about six years old realizing that uh, – that these guys with all their black shirts were all gangsters, you know. So, well, that was quite surprising for me uh, on Sunday night. Yeah. I, I, that's part of you. I didn't know that yeah. you, where you had come from. Yeah. I thought you'd grown up in a nice middle class home, <laughs> and uh, you, know, you speak like that. You know, no. like you've in- articulate about everything. But you, 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 you started life. Yeah. Now, listen, the articulation is something completely different. Yeah, you know, um, I, I don't want to sidetrack too much from where we are, but. Yeah. Um, I'd heard on the radio once in the wireless those back days in Springbok Radio that how to <laughs> You're speak. dating yourself now. I am, yeah. So I know how to uh, speak properly. So I put a marble under your tongue and oh. you talk with a marble under your for two years. I think I swallowed three marbles. But um, <laughs> I, I literally talk with a marble so that I could open my mouth when I speak. And that's how sure, I'm amazing. speaking the way I am. So. Did you know well, that? Well, you both have radio voices, let's be honest. I'm the only one here who doesn't have a radio persona. Uh, come on. But when and Andre get behind the microphone, they turn on this radio voice, which is quite intimidating. <laughs> So, I'll anyway. let you guys. Uh, I'll, but no, let's get back to. Yeah. 
Anyway, Good insight, so, though. So um, my dad, he, while he wasn't a violent guy, he was um, he was like a leader of the gang. So of the of, and uh, those days they never fought with guns and knives and stuff. It's like we'll meet mm. the opposition team in the middle of the field and mm. we'll have it out, mm. you know, with fists and whatever the case may be. So you baseball I've bats. always seen my father. No, not even. Mm. And uh, I've always seen my dad as that guy. Mm. You know, when he used to get angry and stuff, he'd throw things out of the house so that he doesn't hit my mother. Or us, mm. for that matter. Sure. You know, so he'd get angry and he'd just start throwing the two-plate stove out. he start throwing stuff out the house, you know. Mm. And the way that came about effectively is that we lived in an area called Southend, mm. a six-bedroom home. And we moved into a one-bedroom place because of the evictions during the apartheid year in the mid-60s. So Was that locally or in Joburg? In, in Port Elizabeth. Yeah. In Joburg. Oh, Port Elizabeth. Yes. Another Port Elizabeth guy. Mm. Yeah, we go. Good people. Mm. And... Um, so that's sort of the, if I can explain my dad to you, that's who he was. So fast forward a few years, and my brother plays for a gospel band called Alive, and he was the drummer. And I used to go along just to help him set up his drums and stuff. And one night in the Galvindale Community Center, they, they had an altar call. And my dad went to watch my brother play. Because my dad was a jazz artist at the same time, a saxophonist. So he went to watch my brother play to try and encourage him, and we went as a family. And my dad got up to accept the Lord as Jesus as his Savior. Was that surprising? It was a huge surprise. Mm. I honestly thought that um, I honestly thought that maybe he'd had too much to drink the day before, or, or the night okay. before, or the same mm. day. Or mm. and uh, mm. to me, it was like, where's he going? You know, mm. I was mm. still a youngster. So I think I was about nineteen, nineteen or twenty, and uh, and that puzzled me. So afterwards, I went to him. I said, "Hey, Dad, what was that all about?" He says, mm. "No, I just felt." Were you saved at that I, time? No, I wasn't. Sure. And I saw him go up mm. to accept God as as his savior. Mm. And uh, I thought, if my dad can do that, so he must be doing something right. He must yeah. have listened to what they were saying because yeah. at the end of the evening, they they had an altar call and obviously he went up. Sure. Fast forward um, a whole year, and uh, in 1981, at the Utena Community Center. Uh, there was a band called New Song from Body Youth for Christ. Mm, I remember and them. They, mm. Yeah, and they were playing, and uh, the guitarist, after the altar call, I didn't go up, but this guy, the the guitarist, a guy called Andy Roberts, he came and sat and chatted to me, you know, and I gave my life to the Lord then. But wow. it was it was no fanfare. There were no lightning mm. bolts. There was no mm. bright lights, nothing mm. of the sort, you know. Mm. And I thought, okay, where do we go from here? You know, I didn't feel anything. I didn't mm. know anything. We'd go down to the roadhouse with all the friends. I'm youth from there onwards. I joined the youth. Mm. And it just wasn't happening. You know, mm. but slowly yeah. the guys started talking about the Bible and quoting scriptures. And I didn't know what it was. So I'd go yeah. back, ask them, where is it? Go and read the Bible, you know. Yeah. And uh, and it's just incredible how my life has changed since that moment, yeah. you know. And uh, I wasn't a naughty guy, but I was an introvert. I still mm. am. A humongous introvert, mm. you know. And... Um, and this is just. Uh, if, you, if this was uh, on TV, you'd note the surprise in our <laughs> face. <laughs> but but just on, on what you said, Andre, I think something that struck me is often we think the uh, the baddest people are the ones that will never accept the gospel and yeah. are too far gone. Yes. And for you as a young man to see your father and and almost you questioning again, like yeah. what is going on? Like how is he how is he going forward to accept the gospel? Uh, is a testament to the power of the gospel. Oh, absolutely. Actually, yeah. I think we overthink it sometimes and make it complicated and go yeah. like, well, I've got to do this, this, this. Actually, it's as simple as presenting the gospel yeah. and the Holy Spirit and God does the rest. It's very it's simple. We were on the yeah. beach last night um, yeah. on our way to the baptism. And, mm. and Debbie, my wife, she just talked to anybody. And mm. these two folk were walking up and just walked up to them and started talking to them. Sure. And just sharing with them what we're going to be doing and stuff, you know. And they were like amazed, mm. you know. Mm. And, so, uh, and that's mm. what it is. When I saw mm. my dad go up there, I knew he was doing something right. Because mm. to me, my dad was my hero. Mm. 
Yeah. True. You know? And so that, uh, that was the key that got… Very much so. Very yeah, much. simple key like that. Mm. Then t- tell us a little bit about uh, uh, your marriage, getting married. Uh, mm. Marriage was the interesting thing because my wife and I were one of the first mixed married couples in South Africa. You know, mm. oh, oh. Um, legally. In 1990, legally, yes. You know, they scrapped the Immorality Act, they scrapped the Group Areas Act and, mm. and when we got married. So when we got married, we didn't ask my, my wife's… On her mother's side, there were 11 brothers and sisters, and they were very Afrikaans on, on Debbie's mom's side. Yeah, so there yeah. was CP and uh, so very, very far um, yeah, right wing. And on yeah. her dad's yeah. side was Portuguese, which was the same thing. There was also like some serious characters mm, on that side. Yeah. Mm. Well, we didn't really mix with a lot, mm. you know. Um, but so when we got married even, it wasn't the case of saying, hey, I would like to marry your daughter to have your blessing. We knew mm. it's going to create a problem. So what we yeah. did was I just said to them, listen, to mom and dad, we are, we've planned to get married and like, you know, do we have your blessing? You know, mm-hmm. and that opened up a huge can of worms. That's a whole conversation on its own. Sure. So, and even getting, finding a place to live. I mean, we couldn't find a place to live at the time. We'd signed leases. The one lease we signed in Yeovil of all places, which sure. is like a very mixed race mm-hmm. area. And we signed the lease and a week before we moved in, they, um, the people called us in and said, no, you're going to bring down the standard of living in the block. You know, sure. um, it, it hit Debbie quite hard yeah. at that point yeah. in time. Other places we went to was uh, <laughs> you walk to the – they'd say, I have to come in and sign as a guest mm. every night and sign out in the morning when I go to work. But you'd grown you up know? in apartheid. So I'd you, you'd, you'd experience – this was Debbie's first taste of seeing the, taste, the yes. negative, yeah. the harshness of apartheid. That's yeah. correct, yeah. Sure. You know? yeah. So, yeah, so our, our whole marriage um, – f- I've never believed in living in the same city as my parents or my wife's parents because I wanted to raise my kids at that point mm. independently, mm. Mm. not to have any – Viewpoints from any any mm. side, you know. Mm. So it was important for us, and mm. and thirty two years later, we're still married. And testament to the fact that Amazing. color color means nothing at the mm. end of the day. Yeah. It's who are you as a person, yeah. mm. you know. And the Amazing. great thing about Debbie and I is that we both love God, mm. and that's mm. the basis of where we started. Mm. You know, we both mm. love God. We we both love serving God. Mm. And 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 just being involved in, in Christian activities. So mm. and despite that, was a that strong you had your major marriage uh, challenges throughout your marriage. It's not like it was an easy easy road. I mean, you started off; it wasn't easy. No, listen, marriage is not easy. Tough, mm. you know. But ninety percent of the time, it's lacquer. But you yeah. know that ten percent covered that ninety percent very quickly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Seems like we're all in agreement. Yeah, and we had. I mean, we were married twelve years. I stood up in church one day. Oh. And uh, with Jeff Kidwell, actually. And yeah. I said, hey, I'd, I'd like to come for prayer, you know. And for Debbie and I went up to the front of the church and we said, Lord, mm. can you um, – we, we'd like to take upon marriages mm. because there were a lot of marriages issues going on with our friends and family and people in the church. And, all mm. and we said, we'd like to stand in the gap for these people. You know, I never do that. <laughs> I've realized never do that because literally the next day yeah. it blew up. Yeah. You know, sure. and yeah. we went to see three marriage counselors, three mm. marriage counselors, yeah. no, two marriage counselors and a, and a pastor, you know, because Jeff mm. said he, didn't, he was too close to us mm. to, mm. to, to be objective, you mm. know, mm. and except for praying for us and stuff, you mm. know, and, and all three, those people advised us to get divorced, mm. you know, and we knew, man, in sickness and in health, yeah. you know, yeah. um, we good, took good these thing vows. You Jeff praying for you in the background. No, true story. Eh? Yeah. Jeff's powerful. Jeff is, I saw Jeff yesterday. He's an incredible man. He is. I have a lot of respect for very him. Very balanced. Mm. Very, very mm. balanced. Mm. You know, and, um, mm. and that was, that was the start of things for two years. I mean, Debbie wow. and I, we decided, no, man, you know, because then you had the fight of the kids and all that sort mm. of stuff, not to go into too much depth, but mm. the whole thing really was, mm. um, 
Let's just let's knuckle down, get mm. this done. And great marriage advice to people listening out there. When you have a mm. conversation about something, just put it behind you. Mm. Make a commitment not mm. to bring it up in future arguments because, you know, we can call back the past very quickly. Yeah. Springbok you know? Radio. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> you, oh, you remember. <laughs> You're old. And <laughs> so it's just to move away from that, mm. you know, and move on. And that's mm. what saved our marriage at the end mm. of the day. Whenever we have an argument, bring up something before that point. Boom. Even the other day, we did the marriage course with, mm. uh, with Big D and, and some other people. And… Um, I said that. I said that in yeah, in that meeting, good. in that marriage in match marriage course. You know, you go to a marriage course after thirty one years of marriage, yeah. and you think you know everything. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, you don't. And we were talking about it, and that sometimes I'll, I, I and I'm, I'm guilty of that, is that I'll just nibble at this this old thing, you know. Mm. And then you say, "Babe, but we made it. We made a decision. Mm. Not you gotta, to bring you've got to draw a line in the sand at some yeah. point because yeah. if you keep on, we had to do that. Was that baggage just gets bigger and more and more? Hey, man, you just carry it along with you. And, you know, when you're lying in bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, that's when it hits you. Yeah. Do you remember that day? Do you remember yeah. that day? So, so yeah, so in terms of marriage, just normal marriage stuff, it happens. You know, mm. whether you're black, white, or colored, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, totally. so you've got to deal with those separately. The fact that you're in a mixed married race yeah. merely if, is if it affects you when you're with family. Mm. Then things are, are a little bit different because mm. the dynamic is different in terms of people's upbringing. You know, but so. alone, you're a married couple with the same challenges as everyone else. Absolutely, <clears throat> you know. And I listen to a lot of mixed couples nowadays, young guys getting married and stuff, and they say, "Oh, the problem is here. You got no idea." <laughs> <laughs> I listen to them. I say, "You got no idea." You know. Yeah. Uh, it's not to make me feel better or, or stronger, but rather to say that mm. you know the issues at, at hand in the nineties. Mm. Well, it was very, 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 very difficult. Yeah. Know? So well, uh, I just think you, you guys standing in front of the church, in, as you said, in the gap for marriages. Uh, so that strikes me in two ways: is that um, God and the devil are very serious about marriage. Oh yes. God is very serious about the covenant of marriage and in um, maintaining that between the two partners, and the devil is very. Very clear that he wants to destroy marriages because yeah. it's a picture of Christ. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's incredible to to hear that. Well, not incredible your story, but that you made it through that yeah. is a victory in some sense for your yeah. faith. And then uh, I, I've only been married for eighteen years. So you guys, if you combine your the years you've been married, <laughs> I'd be the, I'm definitely the rookie. But the one thing, and this goes to the thing about being in the past. Someone said to me, uh, "Never say you always and you never." Yeah. Oh, and I know that I argue, that's the first wise, thing that comes to mind. That word you always. always. And basically, what you're doing is you're bringing up the past, and you're yeah. saying, "I'm remembering every single time you've done that." Yeah. And that is just ugh, when the past yeah. is the past. If you've forgiven each other and repented, you move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a whole thing of. Surrounding your people with your 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 space with like-minded people. Mm. Yes, you know I've got two really good friends, Quentin yeah. Redcliffe and Avril Edwards, yeah. and these two guys are are incredible. Mm. Um, in terms of, um, when when they talk, you listen. Mm. You know, it's, we've been mm. friends since eighty one, mm. since Amen. I became a Christian. You yeah. know, and there's there's just knowledge. And and sometimes when your friends can, you can sit with friends in a room and mm. not say a word mm. for an hour, and it's not necessary to talk. But you're just yeah. having someone there. Mm. Absolutely, you know, it's great. But anyway, right now uh, we've uh, got a bit of your background. Yeah, tell us a bit about your health journey because I, I I made a joke at the beginning of the program about dead man walking, but yeah. that is actually the truth. You yeah. shouldn't be here. You've been through some major major challenges. Yeah. Give a bit of family background, like you did. And your testimony, I mean, you, you, you're a survivor. Yeah. Yeah, look, my, um, to, to give you an indication, my dad died at the age of 56. His dad died at the age of 56, and his dad 
died at the age of 56. So when I turned 57, sure. and they all died of heart attacks. Mm. When I turned 57, we had a party. Sure. <laughs> like I made it, you know, they yeah. broke the curse. Yeah. yeah, Broke the curse. And my younger brother died of a heart attack as well. And I'll get, to, I'll get to my other brother a bit later. But So that is sort of the history of the family history and the genetics coming down the line. There's yeah. a bad genetic history being yeah, passed down to you. My dad was, was sure. due for a heart transplant. And on the day of his transplant, he collapsed and died in the shower, you know, at, at Kutuskira Hospital. Mm. Sure. So, oh. so that mm. gives you a quick background in terms of just the family, the family dynamic. But for me personally, in April last year, I had um, I was just sitting watching television and just got incredibly tired very very quickly, mm. you know. And I couldn't understand. I couldn't get up to go to the bathroom. I couldn't get up to go to the room to go and lie down. I couldn't lie down because I so you weren't breathe. doing anything. I wasn't you weren't doing exerting I was just yourself. Sitting there, mm. you know. Sure. I couldn't walk to the room to go and lie down on the bed. You know, I was completely. And I was puzzled by this. Went yeah. to see the doctors and, and just sort of went backwards and forwards trying to find an answer as to what it is. Because then eventually I, could st- I couldn't walk to the corner of the street and let alone the front gate of my house and couldn't come back. And this exhaustion would just arrive and I'd be gasping for air occasionally. You know? So eventually by, by Father's Day, which was – that was in April. By Father's Day, which was in June, I honestly thought I was I – was, I wasn't going to make my son's wedding, which mm. was in November mm. that same year of 2021. Didn't you speak to your kids about? I call, yeah, I called them apart. I called apart. Yeah. Call them aside. Yeah, my two boys, and I said, "Hey guys, I'm not feeling well. Yeah, you know, and I don't think I'm going to make your wedding." I said it to Jesse, my son, yeah. um, because I really felt at that point that um, with the, the rate that I was deteriorating, you were going home. I was I was mm. going home. You know, but I wasn't ready yeah. for death. Mm. You know, I hadn't reconciled my brain. It's one thing knowing you're going to die or thinking you know you're going to die. And one thing knowing it's for sure. Mm. You know, you're going to die. What are you going to do? How do you feel about it? It's quite a question to ask yourself, you know. Mm. And um, so that was quite a thing for me. And I've got two two really incredible sons. My one mm. son, <laughs> Jason, he says to me, Dad, I've got your back. Just tell me what you want from me, yeah, you know. Mm. And uh, and he put his head out, and I put my head on his shoulder, and I cried, and I wept. I think mm. I can't believe I'm talking to my sons about yeah, this, you know. Yeah, sure. My other sons a bit more practical. He says, "Dad, is your will up to date? <laughs> <laughs> you know, is your insurance, your insurance? Up, is your insurance up to date? <laughs> yeah. You know." So yeah. So anyway, so fast forward a little bit more, and the wedding came. I remember snippets of it. If it wasn't for the fact that they had, um, they took a video, I would not. No, exactly. You missed a lot. I missed a lot. I do remember snippets, and uh, so we came back, and we managed to get meetings with a with a cardiologist, and they did an echocardiogram, and and the doctor immediately he wrote in his report. He says, "I don't know how this man is walking," sure. you know, mm. and that was the first consultation which which gave that result and the when he said to me i don't know how you're sitting here how did you get you did you come in a wheelchair he said no oh, i didn't but oh. i was battling to walk yeah, yeah. and he could see it he could mm. see that i wasn't wasn't right at that point in time the functions of my heart were really really low mm. you know but um so now he, he said to me we need to get you straight into hospital if you are on medical aid, I'll take it was at the Vincent Pilotti. Mm, mm. We'll take you straight to hospital right now because I need to book you in for at least five days. And this is where God's blessing yeah. really, really came. And the people, that we, when I say hang around with like-minded people, mm, and it's mm. not intentional to get anything out of them, mm, but it's mm. just being Christ-like to someone else, mm. you know. I always remember that saying, be Jesus to everyone. Mm. Let yeah. people see yeah. Jesus in you, yeah. you know, mm. and I believe you've got to live that out in Christ. And the one guy came up to me and he said, how much is it? Um, he said uh, to Debbie and Debbie said, I'll phone and find out how much. And it came to 50,000 bucks. And the guy said, meet sure. you at the hospital. Let's go now. 
Wow. wow. And he yes, went to the hospital and he wow. paid 50,000 bucks to the hospital and said, yeah, just wow. get this man in the hospital and get him, get him seated, yes. you know, get him sorted. Yeah. And then they came to us and said, we always wanted to go to Kutuskir. It's always been a thing with mm. us, you know, but mm. if they're going to give me immediate medical attention, and that was in December last year, then let's take what we can get. Mm. We were battling to get into Kutuskir at the time. And, uh, and we then got into Vincent Pilotti, paid the money, but then immediately they said, this is going to cost hundreds of thousands. Your, your husband is really, really ill. You know, and the same day they moved me to Hutus Kid where I was in Did Iceland. they arrange that? Yeah, they arranged it. So the, the hot guys at Vincent Pilotti through… They immediately… Which you couldn't have done if you'd wanted to. I couldn't to. have done it on my own. You know, you've had to, you've had to have a heart attack to yeah. get in there. Mm. You know, you, you're not showing any visible signs, you know. And uh, anyway, I got there, was, ended up being in ICU for eight days. And I got there immediately. The drips went in and, you know, they had me on, on ECG, permanent ECG and checking my rates and coming mm. to check my blood every two Great hours. Great medical care. Yes, I tell you, it's the most amazing place to be, mm. you know. Anyway, after eight days, they released me and said, look, we need to do a follow-up for you in January. Couldn't get there. Debbie phoned. Debbie phoned them all the time, the, the cardiologists. Hey, my husband is not well. By then, I was like, I was stickant. You know, mm, there's no English yeah. word that can express stickant, <laughs> like stickant, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I, I just couldn't sit anymore. I couldn't stand. I was vomiting mm. three to five times a day, you know, and I didn't know why. And I asked the doctors, what is going on? And they said, are we running tests? And every time they talk about tests, they take more blood. I mean, yep. I think I, I had so many holes in my body. I think I started leaking, <laughs> you know, and it's. Colander. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's really, it's really crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so we went. Eventually, managed to get. By then, it was December. By April, on the seventh, I managed to get a checkup. So they said, come for a checkup on the seventh. Yeah. Anyway, so um, the most amazing thing happened last week, Tuesday. We went to a combined meeting at Josh Chen in Sunningdale in Tableview, and. Uh, after listening to this guy, Jonathan, speak, at the end of the evening, he asked, does anybody want prayer for healing? Now, I'd been sitting there for a long time, and I was exhausted. Dylan came mm. to me and said, uh, Andre, are you standing up for healing? I said, I'm too tired. I can't stand up, man. You know? It and, was uh, almost half past nine, so it was late. Yeah, look, yeah. it was late. Yeah. I think everyone was fading. <laughs> <laughs> I was. And anyway, so I, what I did was I, they came around me. And Dylan was next to me and his daughter, Rosie. She was there and someone couldn't reach me, but she put a foot on my foot. You know, Susan put a foot on my foot. Debbie was to my right. Margaret was there. And they prayed for me. But, you know, I never heard Dylan's pray. I never heard Debbie's, anybody's. I only heard Rosie's pray. Hmm. And she had prayed with such passion hmm. for God to just reach out and touch me hmm. in a special way. It was phenomenal. To have a 15-year-old girl pray for you, and you are, and you, I'm so in tune with Rosie at that point that mm. my heart actually warmed up. Wow. It was a crazy experience wow. because, yeah. you know, some, I've had so many people pray for me. People come and lay hands. Yes. I had a guy drive from Port Elizabeth wow. all the way here to wow. pray for me, and he got back in his car and drove all the way back to PE again. Wow. So I've had people praying for me considerably mm. and fervently. Mm. But Rosie's spray just generated with me. The funny wow. thing is Susan is a cold-bodied person. She had a foot on my foot. And she said, I felt heat wow. coming through your feet. Wow. You know? But my heart warmed up and I just heard Rosie, the passion. You know, you can hear, there's a little girl, a young lady that's walking with God. Yeah. And I, yeah. I somehow yes, felt yeah. comforted right. in the fact that God is right there with me. Mm. You know? And uh, 
because Jonathan said, how do you want people to pray for you? Mm. Which has never been said before. Normally mm. people say, pray for the person, you know. <laughs> and there's no direction. But this guy said, ask them. And my, my immediate response to that was, I want to be, I want to pray for my heart to be restored. This one. Mm. I don't want a transplant. You know, if it happens, it happens. But I want this one to be restored, you know. And... Um, the next day we went to see the cardiologist and the news from them was very simple. They said, Mr. Buchner, we'd like to say that we are not going to offer you the heart transplant. You know? And what was your response to the doctor? Debbie and my response was, you can't believe it. That's fantastic news. So they were like, what's going on? Because normally people would start arguing and saying, how can you do desperation. this? Desperation. Yeah, shit, desperation. And, uh, but we, we then got the opportunity to share the gospel with them and say, look, this amazing. is what happened the night before. Yeah, amazing. You know? And we don't want the transplant. Mm. So we, I could die tomorrow. Right. I could die in a mm. week's time. Mm. I could die mm. in a month's time, a year's sure. time, five years' time. We don't know the timeline. We don't understand what God is wanting of us. You know. But I knew at that point in time that that prayer the night before gave me new hope for mm. life. Mm. You know, We're going to have to interrupt this interview with a message that just come through. I, I don't know. I, mean, so maybe, maybe, I, I, maybe I do know that you this. mentioned this yeah. ejected fraction rate was 10% earlier 10%, this year. Yeah. Messages come through. Uh, you can. So, um, so as, uh, God's providence is amazing because literally the messages come through like while we're recording this podcast. Yeah, which is while great. Andre's been speaking, Dylan, I've been looking at uh, <laughs> messages. So, uh, Andre, what is your response <laughs> to that? Because I've been watching you up front and yeah. for a, a 10% yeah. and then a, a 16%, then a 10%, you definitely are a dead man walking. Could you just explain what the content of that message is? Oh, my gosh. Are we talking miracles here? Uh, I've got tears in my eyes here. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> it says, hi, everyone. Huh. This morning, my phone rang with a no-call ID. Now, I normally don't. This is from my wife. Hmm. So glad she picked up the call because normally she doesn't. She just ignores them because uh, <laughs> these thing is if you if you don't if you're phoning from private number you don't want to be noticed. So I want to notice you. <laughs> and she got a call from Dr. Jackie Soroto, Fritis Genetics team, who, uh, who we are full mm. part of, mm. you know. And uh, she was super excited to share the good news with me. Andre's recent MRI results show an amazing improvement. In December, his heart ejection fraction rate was ten percent. But in 16%, in April it was 10%. A normal person's range is between 50 and 75%. Which you told us just now. Yeah. Andre has improved to 44%. This is unheard of. People. Unheard of. It's unheard That's of. Incredible. For your heart to improve that much. That is My wild. gosh. Yeah. As a famous theologian once yeah. said, my God. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we want to yeah, on air yeah. here yes, before Lord. thousands of people just acknowledge yes, that a miracle has been taking place. Yes. We had no knowledge of this before the, yeah. the show. And we want to give you glory Praise and God. honor yeah. for this man who has served you faithfully. And, and when I heard 10, 16%, then 10%, I thought, how can this man be here? And the, and the miracle prayer from the other week, mm. we've just seen something. This is the miraculous. And we want to say thank you publicly mm. on air that you have created a miracle. As Andre came in faith to share what God was doing on this radio show, we've just seen now hot off the press that you're doing a, a miracle. And we want to give you all mm. honor and glory. There's tears in our eyes sitting here that we've we've publicly witnessed something like this. So, we want to give you all honor and glory. Um, I, I, just, so, I don't know what I, to say. I've never been at a, a, on, a sh- on a show like this. If you don't this. believe in God at this point, I don't know. My gosh, this is really God. 
I have no other words for this. I watched you standing sharing your testimony on Sunday night, and I thought, how can you be standing there and sharing when you 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 literally the tests show that? Because the doctors have said to me that the walls are too weak. Mm. How can they recover? How can they Mm. can't recover? Mm. I mean, there's not a possibility medically. This is that they're now. Mm. Yeah, my God, I just want you. Ah, my gosh, I got tears in my eyes. This is just insane. Sure. Guys, this, this, is, is, this is insane. This, this is a bit of, we've got like a minute left. This is oh a, a show. I mean, this is a developing testimony right within this radio show. Yeah. I'm blown away by God's goodness. Yeah. Amen. And, and just how how he has engineered this. guy. this is a recording, as, as you do know. <laughs> but it's, I mean, well... I'm not known for speaking. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just end it there. I'm in my 26th oh year of radio, and I mean that's who I who I am. But uh, we just want to give glory to God in, in this show. And if you have tuned in late, it is a this is a this is a miracle of God, that's and we want God and we want to incredible. share this show. We're going to podcast it, share it with others as we see God's goodness yeah, yeah. in this. So, yeah. But that brings us to the end of the show. We've got to make a move and say our goodbyes. Next week will be our medical slot. But uh, till then from me, Wayne Turner and the guys in studio, it's goodbye and God bless. Oh, gosh. Well, Amen. Amen.